are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Uh, jam-packed week. We got, you know, it was winter meetings week, so a lot of move act- moves actually happened. We got a couple GM hires or uh, president of ba- baseball operations. Um you know, a handful of, of good players actually being signed to to deals and a couple trades happening. And then we got a little rumor section about uh, DJ, DJ LeMahieu and the, the New York Yankees. Uh, and then we're going to have our National League East division breakdown today, which is going to be one of the more fascinating ones we have. Um, but before we jump into all of that, what's going on, Matt? Not too much. Just um, I've been all involved in uh, football this week with uh, my – my alma mater at Auburn uh, firing the head coach. And I've been all involved in looking at the coaching search and following that and also following all this baseball stuff. So it's been a, uh, a pretty, uh, pretty busy week sports wise for me. And uh, we'll, um, we'll get into it here. I, I really am uh, really excited for this one. So yeah, cool. how about you guys just stay away from Mario Cristobal for a second. Right? <laughs> I know we'll see. And uh, as being from California, I'll say it was pretty nice having my uh, my Colts beat the Raiders because there's a lot of people around here that uh, that weren't too happy, and I got money <laughs> off that one. With some hey, there you go, there you go. So that's what you like but, to say. Uh, but yeah, so the first one, first hiring we're going to talk about, I think it's it's really fascinating actually because we've spent a lot of time these past couple weeks talking about which direction the Phillies are going. Um, you know, with maybe trading Zach Wheeler and maybe not being able to re-sign JT Muto and this big money loss. But then they go out and they hire a guy in Dave Dombrowski. Um, so if you guys don't know Dave Dombrowski, he's been around the game for a long time. Um, been working in baseball since 1978. Uh, and everywhere he goes, he's pretty much built contending teams or winners. Um, he started with the White Sox as a, as a lower uh, guy in the front office, you know, and then worked up to an assistant general manager. Um, became the general manager of the or the uh, front office uh, player development. I'm sorry, with the uh, Montreal Expos, and then he got his first GM job with the Marlins as they were an expansion team um, and helped them win the World Series in '97, um, and worked with them through 2001 when he then became the general manager of the D- Detroit Tigers um, and worked with them through 2015 and led them to two World Series appearances in 2006 and 2012. Um, and then after the Tigers let him go, he ended up signing with the Red Sox and helped that team win the 2018 World Series. Um, and then he took a year off after being let go of the Red Sox, and they were kind of hitting the reset button and everything. Um, and he was working on trying to get baseball back to Nashville. Um, but him signing with the Phillies, it's a big thing because it, it sort of signals that they're a team that's not going to be rebuilding. Yeah, um, this is an interesting um interesting hire for sure i i was a little surprised to hear that the phillies had made this decision um dave dombrowski he's a well-respected guy he's been around a long time i think a lot of people are split on him though um especially with what happened with the red Sox. it seems like um he got a lot of um he caught a lot of flack for making some really 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 bad signings there um at the, especially at the end of his tenure uh that that have set the red Sox back and honestly probably kept him for being able to re-sign Mookie Betts. Um, and um, so he was let go there. I, he's a guy who I think that Dave Dombrowski is a 
good. He's got strengths and weaknesses. I think he's good at putting pieces together for a team that wants to contend, but he's really not that great at being able to sustain a contender to, to, to keep it going. I think he's real aggressive and he's the guy who will pull all, put all the chips in on the table. Um, but we'll see what they end up doing. He's also a very old school guy. Um, you know, he's been around a long time. He's went, worked in a lot of different front offices and, and you know, I think he's, I don't know if he's the most analytically driven guy and in that this age that is, you know, a little bit different. I think um, it'll be interesting, very interesting to see what, uh, what the Phillies end up doing. And I think that you'll have to definitely wait and evaluate him after next year, I think is, as, is, is another thing to look at there because I think with their money issues they've had in this past off season, um, you know, you might not see him be able to do all that much this year, but maybe after next off season, you might you might be able to see some changes in, in Philly. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes along with what he was saying in his press conference, which is that he considers this more of a retooling of the club and not a full-on rebuild. Um, he said there's too many good players in this club and that you know that he feels they're a sleeping giant because they have the big market, they've got a good core of guys so already, and uh, you know they have a, a good owner that is willing to spend money. He said it's not a uh, you know there's not endless amount of funds, but there's enough funds for him to to make impact moves. Um, but I wouldn't consider that to be so many impact moves this year. Um, you know we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what they need to do when we get into the the division breakdown as they're on this week's episode. Um, but definitely a, definitely an interesting hire um, and something that shocked me after what we've all heard from you know coming out of Philadelphia this this off season so far. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. And and I think Dave Dombrowski, he's not a guy you you make your GM if you're about to rebuild because that's not his strengths as a GM. His strengths are putting together pieces that are gonna on on a on a contending team that that are gonna mesh well together. Not not rebuilding because everywhere he's left, the farm system was pretty barren and the money situation wasn't great. But they most places he's been had had success while he was there too. So yeah, um, it's one of those types of things. Yep. Uh, the next GM hire, um, I don't really know much about him. Uh, he's a guy who is only 41. He hasn't been around, um, you know, as high profile um, as a name as, as some of these other candidates that we've heard. But Jared Porter got hired as the the Mets general manager. Um, you know, he has won three World Series as part of front offices um, with the Red Sox and the Cubs. Um, and then he joined Arizona as the senior vice president. An assistant GM um, in 2017, uh, and then he, you know, he he said today that he they they plan to bring more intelligent people into this organization and not just players, um, but he will be operating under Sandy Alderson, and that they even left the door open for maybe hiring a president of baseball operations um, in a year or two. Hint, hint, Theo Epstein, uh, but it, it's. Not a guy that I know too much about, so not much that we can really talk on about his history in the game. But uh, but definitely, he's a guy with from what his press conference said. He he aligns with what you know Sandy Alderson and uh, Steve Cohen have said that they're you know they're going to build this thing right and that they're going to they have funds that they need to spend or not need to spend that they have the funds to get any player they want to get. Um, but. You know they're gonna do it pretty smartly and and make sure that they aren't just going willy nilly and then just going wild with it. Yeah, Steve Cohen um, is definitely uh, making a 
making a hire here or Sandy Alderson. I, I don't know which which made this specific decision that there this isn't going to be a guy who calls all the shots. Um, you know, and I agree with you. I think that there's probably a good chance they have a, someone with a president of baseball operations or a similar title to that. Uh, but um, I have heard, you know, just through, you know, rumors and Twitter and stuff that it sounds like uh, Jared Porter is a pretty well-respected guy and people do think he's a future, you know, shot caller, if, if you will, um, as a GM. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be the shot caller here, but uh, maybe, you know, somewhere else if he's there for a few years and the Mets have some success, you know, other place might consider him for a baseball, a president of baseball operations job um, or, or, a you know, a head of, of all the day-to-day, um, you know, inter, uh, uh, interactions and or transactions, uh, pardon me. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a good hire. I, I don't think there's too much to look at here. I don't think that this hire is going to change all that much that's going on with the Mets. Um, you know, cause like, like you said, like we both said, it's, he's not exactly the guy who's going to be calling the shots. That's going to be Sandy Alderson, um, you know, I think Steve Cohen's going to have a lot of input um, in, in the situation, maybe a little bit similar to how Jerry Jones has, his, has all the input with the Cowboys. I think it's going to be a real active owner situation here. And, um, you know, I think he might really be number three down the list. So, um, but, uh, you know, it sounds like a good hire to me um, for, for, for what it is. So um, good for them. And congrats to both of those guys. Yeah, yeah, especially Porter. Like you said, that people have talked about him. You know, he's been a candidate before, but not one of that many people have actually talked about. So him actually getting a, a job and, and a high-profile one, I would say the Mets are probably one of the most high-profile jobs that you'd want in the game, um, especially under a new owner like Steve Cohen, who who really wants to go for, um, you know, World Series championships. So, uh, but let's start move on to our signings portion of the episode, um, and. This one I found it kind of funny. Um, Adam Eaton resigns with the, or not resigns. He signs with the Chicago White Sox on a one-year, seven million dollar deal with a club option in 2022 um, for eight and a half million with a million dollar buyout. Uh, it's a little funny because why I said resign is that the White Sox traded Adam Eaton um, back in 2016 to land Lucas Giolito, Raylando Lopez, and Dane Dunning from the Nationals. And now we've found out, you know, you see that Lucas Giolito is their ace, their stud pitcher. Rolando Lopez is still a big part in that, uh, of that rotation in that team. And Dane Dunning, you'll see in a, or hear in a little bit about why he is involved in this as well. Um, but it, it's solid signing for the White Sox. You know, I didn't think that Eaton was the, the top guy that they probably should have gone after, you know, maybe uh, a Jock Peterson or Kyle Schwarber, but Eaton plays his role very nicely, and, and he'll fit right into that team. Yeah, um, I agree with you, and I think that Adam Eaton's a guy who, when the White Sox traded him, was an all-star caliber player. Um, but, you know, he had dealt with some injury issues in, in Washington. Um, you know, he did get a World Series there, but I don't know how much of a part of the you know, them winning the World Series he was. He had a good 2019 season. He, he was worth uh, over two wins above replacement. Out of 100, he was above average hitter in the league, 107 WRC plus, uh, and a 280 average, good on base guy. He always has been uh, a career on base of 360. Um, and um, he, he's a good player. Um, you know, he, he could have been a guy who is 
you know, he could have been a, a star player for a little while there. In fact, in 2016, his last year at the White Sox, he was close to being a star player because he was really, really good. He had uh, almost six wins above replacement that year, which is a pretty elite number. But injuries have really hurt him, and uh, he's going back to uh, – he's, he's only 32. He, he sounds like a guy who's super, super old, but he's only 32. Um and um, I could see him, you know, in, in 2019, he had a pretty good year. This year, kind of more of the same, a little bit injury riddled, um, didn't have a good year this year. But I could see him, you know, being a solid regular for the White Sox. And uh, I think it's a good signing. You get him for a, a good a good price. Um, he's obviously been there before and, you know, knows the ballpark and knows the fans well. Um, and you get a club option on him for next year if he does do really well. So I think it's a solid move for the White Sox. Yeah, and he's also going to be a nice veteran in that clubhouse to go along with Jose Abreu. Um, you know, he's a guy who's won a World Series, like you said, with the Nationals um, and has been in the league for a long time and just knows how to go about it. So, you know, he can probably relate to, you know, Eloy and, and Luis Robert a little bit more from the outfield perspective um, and kind of teach them, you know, maybe some ways of stuff he found, or, you know, playing the ball off the wall and how, how uh, balls play in that ballpark. But uh, another signing, which has been rumored for a while, um, was James McCann finally got his deal with the New York Mets uh, finished. We don't know the exact um, dollars on the deal. We do know it's a four-year deal, and it's going to be slightly over or around the $40 million range. Um, but I, I think this is a big thing because most people were putting JT Realmuto, you know, just to the Mets because they could spend all the money. But I think this kind of really sets them up to go, you know, make a big splash in the outfield, maybe a George Springer, and maybe even a big starting pitcher like a Trevor Bauer. Um, or you can sacrifice and do, you know, a Springer and a, a lower pitcher and maybe a shortstop. But uh, I think getting James McCann, who's, he's, you know, he's 30 years old, but he's really started to come into his offensive self uh, the past couple years with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he could be a, a very sneaky sign for the New York Mets. Yeah, I think he could be a, a solid player for them. Um, he's a guy who he started off for his first five years in the in the big leagues with the Tigers, um, and he was, I mean, he was okay. He was a backup catcher, and, and that you know that's kind of the way he should have been looked at from that time. With the White Sox, he's actually been pretty respectable. Twenty nineteen and one hundred eighteen games, uh, good power numbers, hit eighteen home runs in one hundred eighteen games, solid, especially uh, for a catcher. Um, he had a really good season this year, um, and uh, with you know seven home runs in thirty one games, um, a two eighty nine average, uh, got on base well this year too with a three sixty on base. He's a guy who I think is going to be a, a round league average to slightly above average hitter. Uh, he's I think he's a little bit below average as a defensive catcher, which is still a good value. Um, I think this contract is – I think it's a good contract. The, this is a signing that, you know, he, he's only been worth in his entire career 3.7 wins above replacement. But if you do look at these last two years, he has been pretty good. Um especially for a catcher hitting the baseball. Um, so, but that's not something he's done in his career before he got to the White Sox. So this is interesting. I don't think it's a signing that if, if, it, if he does, you know, tank, I mean, go back to his ways is at the plate that he had with the Tigers when he, when he gets to the, when he gets to New York, if he goes back to that, then 
you know, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an albatross of a contract or anything. Um, you know, I think it could end up being a little bit of an overpay if, if he doesn't continue what he did this year, which obviously with it being such a short season, you know, maybe a little bit of a flash in the pan type thing. Um, and last year he was, you know, a pretty, he was, a, he was an average everyday regular last year. So I think it's a fine deal. And I think, uh, you know, the Mets, uh, have addressed catcher and that's something that they needed to address. And they've got a guy now, um, I don't think this prov- takes anything off the table for them. Um, you know, it's, but, but it's a, it's a solid, I think it's a pretty solid move. Yeah, very solid move. Um, you know, and, and there's this is a team who's bat who struggled, you know, finding a catcher that would be good defensively and hit. You know, they had Travis Darno and then they, you know, went to Wilson Ramos and then he even struggled, so then they brought in like Robinson Torinos and a team that's bounced around with catcher, but I think McCann's gonna give them, you know, a nice solid solid guy that's gonna be back there, you know, for upwards of hundred and twenty to hundred and thirty games most likely. Um the next signing we had um, was a guy who we actually talked about being non-tendered on uh, last week's episode. Uh, got a contract pretty quick, and that is David Dahl, um, outfielder now of the Texas Rangers. Uh, he is going to be 27 when the season starts next year. Signed for only a one-year, $3 million deal um, for the Texas Rangers. But the interesting part is that he's under control for the next three years. So even though he was non-tendered, his arbitration still moves over to his new contract. Um, and as we said last week with the Rangers, they had to find guys who were young or, you know, some talented guys that, are, that might be able to help them out. And as a guy who's going to start next season at 27, and we, you know, we've said he's a solid major league player. Could be a, could be a big sneaky signing for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, this is exactly what the Rangers need to be doing, and David Dahl is a perfect fit for them. Um, he's a guy who he's he's cheap right now because he he has struggled, especially this past year. Um, he's a guy who he he hasn't consistently stayed healthy at the big league level, um, and he's a guy who, when he has been at the big league level, has had varied success. Um, not a very good defensive outfielder. Um, he 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 makes he doesn't make a ton of contact he does have some pop but i think when he does make contact he, he's a guy who's able to hit for a high babbit batting average on balls in play i think he sprays the ball around the field comes from the left he's a lefty um and um you know if he's able to stay healthy and is able to you know work on his numbers he, he's he's really an inexperienced player for somebody who's been in the big leagues since 2016 um you know he's only got about uh, about 250 games under his belt, 264 games played and about a thousand plate appearances under his belt. So that's like a season and a half in, in plate appearances. Um, so he's a guy who, you know, if he doesn't work out, he's cheap and you're not really hurting yourself with anything. If he does work out, then you have a guy who, you know, is a former top prospect who could be a very good player. Um, and if you're the Rangers, you need somebody who can go out there every day. And I think David Dahl's biggest thing is he needs somewhere where he can go out and play every day without a ton of pressure being put on him about being sent to the minor leagues or about, you know, being out of the lineup, in and out of the lineup, being platooned, all that kind of thing. I mean, he, if he goes to Texas, he's going to play every day unless he performs just completely terribly. So um, I think it's perfect for both sides, and I like the move. Yeah, and I – him signing for $3 million, it really made me scratch my head. I thought he was a guy who, you know, I think in arbitration with the Rockies, he's only projected to get $2.5 million. 
Um, so for the Rockies to lose a guy over potentially only like a half million dollars or something, you know, that that's a kind of a head scratcher. But it for him to sign with Texas for this contract, I think what it signals is that this was a team that's going to give him the playing time like you were talking about, whereas in he might have been able to find a contender that might have paid him a little bit more but was going to be, you know, either platoon or like a fourth outfielder type. Maybe if somebody goes down, then you're just like a super sub. Um but good for him for going to Texas, you know, and going somewhere that is going to give him a shot to potentially play every single day. Because um, he's a guy that, that needs that. With Colorado, he was always bounced around with the injuries and stuff. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, another signing that we had, and, and this is just a really brief one. This actually happened, I believe, today, right? Yeah. Um, Greg Holland signed with Kansas City on a one-year $2.75 million deal. And uh, that's not a gigantic deal. Uh, but he is a guy who had a really good year this year, even though it was in a pandemic shortened season and he only pitched in 28 innings. Uh, but he had a 191 ERA in those 28 innings. So it's a guy who definitely could have helped out a contender somewhere um, that's now off the market. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well, even though that's not really that big of a signing. Yeah, not that big. Uh, he should have been traded at last year's deadline, but absolutely. Wasn't. So. so maybe the, uh, the Royals will trade him this year. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but from David Dahl to the Texas Rangers to the Texas Rangers making a trade that we've speculated on for our entire uh, our entire history of this this podcast is Lance Lynn finally got traded um, from the Texas Rangers to the Chicago White Sox for Dane Dunning and Avery uh, left-handed pitcher Avery Weems. Uh, that's kind of the the tie-in of Dane Dunning, like we were talking about. So pretty much the White Sox. Got Lucas Giolito, Rolando Lopez, and Lance Lynn for Adam Eaton, and then just got Adam Eaton back. Like, yeah. Right. Um, sorry about that. I kind of my mic got cut off for a second. Um, yeah, I really like uh, really like the move. Um, really for, for both sides. I think <clears throat> at this point the Rangers got what they could get for um, for Lance Lynn. Uh, Dane Dunning's a pretty good prospect um like we talked about he came over from uh from the nationals in that uh, in that eaton trade um <clears throat> the third big leaguer out of that eaton trade um so keep that in mind um but uh really 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 good minor league numbers um you know uh, just about every stop he was he excelled in the minor leagues um came up to the big leagues this year he didn't pitch a ton he pitched seven seven starts um, was decent, 397 ERA, 399 FIP, um, which you know is the ERA predictor. So you would think that his ERA is that's about accurate for where he's at right now. Um, good, good strikeout numbers. Um, you know, not bad walk numbers. I think the walk numbers are kind of what's made him a, a good prospect. He's a guy who is, controls the ball really well, commands it in the zone. Um, doesn't walk a ton of guys. Um, doesn't throw super hard, but has pretty good breaking stuff and and that command. So. Um, and then um, also the the Avery Weems is a kind of a, a flyer lefty uh, that had pretty good numbers in rookie ball last year. But the big the headliner here is definitely Dane Dunning and uh, Lance Lynn. Um, you know, twenty nineteen was excellent. Um, he broke out in a big way. Uh, he, almost seven wins above replacement as pitcher. Three sixty seven ERA. Um, a Cy Young candidate really. And uh, 2020, uh, before the trade deadline, was very good. After the trade deadline, not quite as good. Um, he ended up actually with a 420 FIP, which is pretty 
average, and uh, even though his ERA was low, um, 84 innings this year, um, the Rangers should have traded him at the deadline, and I think we said that at the deadline too, didn't we? Yeah, um, we, we all scratched our head at that one. Yeah, and that was a really puzzling move. Um, I think they probably could have gotten more for Lance Lynn at the deadline than they got uh, in Dane Dunning, even though I think Dunning's a, you know potentially a, a solid big league pitcher. Uh, but, um, you know, I think that it's a good trade. I think it's a pretty even trade. You, you know, you've got a guy who's an established big leaguer who has shown in the last two years an ace-level season um, for a guy who is, you know, probably a, a mid to back into the rotation starter who will be consistent in the big league level and it has a pretty high floor and a guy who, you know, maybe maybe that Weems ends up being something someday as a maybe a reliever, maybe a starter, who knows. So I like it. Yeah, it's it's a good trade. Um, you know, like you said, Lance Lynn was very good, broke out last year, um, and then this season was very good until the trade deadline, where I think maybe it was a little bit of he was expecting to get traded or kind of wanted to get traded, and then you know that didn't happen. Maybe he just kind of didn't give it all his all those last couple starts that he had. Um, so he he's a guy who's gonna be. You know, he's going to be a solid guy. He'll probably be the number three in that rotation, I would say. Him and Keiko will battle for that. I, but... I think he would be uh, the number two above Keiko at this point. Uh, Keiko's still got some good stuff, but he, I think Keiko will probably be the number three. This is exactly what the White Sox needed, though. Was, yeah, was a, it another is. Another option in uh, the pitcher. The only reason I say he'll be the three is because you go righty, lefty, righty. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense, so, too. But. Um, but Dane Dunning, he's a guy who I, I actually really like. He doesn't give up a lot of home runs. Um, either that's one of his, you know, calling cards as well. Uh, and, and like you said, he was solid in his first first year. I mean, he was an average pitcher this year, and he's somebody who hopefully over time, as he gets, you know, used to the major leagues, and not just in a shortened season. I mean, he only had seven starts this year, only 34 innings. Um, but maybe he's a guy who can, you know, potentially have a upside of maybe a number three starter. Um, I think that'll be the, you know, kind of the ceiling he could reach, but. That's still going to be a very good, very good major league player. Yeah, hey, um, you talk about you talk about him not giving up a ton of home runs. Uh, he's going to be pitching in that Rangers ballpark now, so that might be even more. He he might give up no home runs now. None. I mean, we saw that all through the playoffs. That that is a very hard ballpark unless you're the Los Angeles Dodgers to hit home runs in, I guess. But, um, you know, and like we said last week, Avery Weems is a guy who. He can be, you know, a lottery ticket for the Texas Rangers. Just a guy who has very good underlying numbers um, and very n good numbers overall through the minor leagues. And maybe he, in a couple of years they can figure him out. I mean, he's strictly a starter right now, but even if that doesn't work out, you plug him in the bullpen and he's a guy who, you know, then you have a lefty reliever maybe. Um, so very interesting, interesting trade and one that should have happened a while ago. But I think it's a you know, perfect value for the Texas Rangers. It's a trade that you you could say it's win-win for both sides, really. Um, you know, one side, usually we always say, oh, this side got fleeced or this side lost, but this one, I don't think you can say that. Definitely, definitely think it's about right. Um, speaking of a trade that you could say that one side clearly won and one side clearly lost, um, that is the Cincinnati Reds have traded star closer Rossell Iglesias to the uh, Los Angeles Angels for relief pitcher Noe Ramirez and a player to be named later or cash. 
Yeah, um, this I don't like this trade for the Reds. I do like this trade for the Angels. Um, Rizal Iglesias is a very, very good reliever who I think the the Reds have really undervalued the last couple years. Um, he had a fantastic season this year with a, a, a 274 ERA, but his peripheral numbers were even better than that. Um, he's a guy who in the past has been really good. Um, you know, I think last year, 2019, wasn't fantastic, but he was still decent. Um, but the rest of his career numbers are, are pretty good. Um, and, you know, he's not he, – he's fairly expensive. You know, he's making about $8 million this year, but he's not that expensive. Um, this is the last year on his contract, so he will be a free agent at the end of the year. But um, the Angels needed pitching in the worst way of all kinds, and this is a very good pitcher that they just got to, to be in their back end of their bullpen. And uh, they really didn't give up much for him. I, I was a little surprised that – I mean, Noe Ramirez is – you look at his peripheral numbers and they're pretty bad. He has had a couple of good years uh, ERA wise and, and with his, you know, classic traditional numbers. Um, but his peripheral numbers are not very good. I think some of the analytics people like him a lot, um, you know, with his spin rates and his, and his stuff wise, I think, I think a lot of people like him, but um, you know, he's he gives up a lot of home runs and uh you know, in the great American ballpark, you don't want to be a guy that gives up a lot of home runs because you're going to give up even more home runs. And, um, you know, he's – it will be – this is going it, to – it's going to be a difficult – I think this is going to turn out to not be the best trade for the for the Reds. Although, I mean, it's – you know, if you're not going to contend this year, which it looks like the Reds aren't, aren't trying to contend, then you might as well trade your – trade your closer that's got one year on his deal and i think they probably could have gotten a little bit more for him though yeah you could have got a little bit more and uh you know speaking into you know how good rasael iglesias is this is a guy who has pretty much every stat you look at jumped in the, be the better way this year you know his home run rate that he had been given up the last three seasons was 18.8 16.7 this year to 5.3 uh, his ground ball rate jumped from 38.5, 29.9 to 41 and a half. Um, you know, his like a his home run per nine dropped to a minuscule. I mean, under one to 0.39. That that's amazing. His walks he dropped his walks to under two walks per nine for the first time in his career. Strikeout rate was the highest it's ever been in his career, albeit it is only 23 innings. But if you just look at the underlying numbers here. Rasael Iglesias is a stud, and and to give him up for you know Noe Ramirez, who is an average major league reliever, um, and even maybe on the side of not you know below average, and a player to be named later or Cash, which I'm guessing is probably going to be the Cash most likely, um, it's just it's a stunning move, very very stunning to me. Yeah, um, I don't you like took it a, at all. You took a team at the Reds that you were thinking would probably attempt to contend again after they kind of went all in on this past season and they're not even, it looks to me like they're selling off veterans and trying to rebuild again. So um, very disappointing for Reds fans. I think it's, I think this is one of those trades that kind of is a, it's a tea leave to, you know, they're not going to contend this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a rumor that came out over the past couple days um, is that, DJ LeMahieu and the New York Yankees are, you know, very far off in which each person thinks the value is. Um, about a difference of about $25 million right now um, between them. And 
what I found interesting is that pretty much it, it might be agent talk, um, but that the you know, DJ LeMahieu is going to start considering other options, considering other teams, and allow to start engaging with those other teams as well. You know, which kind of made it seem like, hey, I was trying to give the Yankees the first shot. I mean, we're over a month into free agency here, and and we haven't found anything, and we're still this far off of you know value. So maybe I have to get another team involved, or, or maybe I have to think about taking my talents elsewhere. Um, but it's it's a head scratching move if that it, if that is the reason for the Yankees, who you know seemingly are have the deep pockets that everyone thinks they have. Yeah, this is a this rumor came from somebody on Twitter. It was a it was a reporter, an actual reporter off of Twitter that that posted this. It wasn't just some random person. Um, you know, it was Rosenthal. It might have been Rosenthal. I, I don't remember which one, but it was it was one of the top reporters that was posting it. Um, I, I do think this is probably agent talk. I think Lemayhew is probably going to resign with the Yankees, and that the they want he wants more money, and the Yankee and they and he's basically telling the Yankees publicly, you know, I, I might he's trying to leverage for more money by saying I might go elsewhere. I'm going to check the interest out there. I do think he wants to go back to New York. Um, you know, being off $25 million, that, that's a pretty good a bit, chunk of money. But, I mean, I think the Yankees have that money. Now, the, the question I have about the Yankees is, you know, what do they value out of LeMahieu? Do they think LeMahieu is a guy who's going to put up numbers that – do the, the Yankees believe LeMahieu is a guy who's going to put up the same numbers over the that he put up the same – the last couple of years somewhere else where they don't think they could just replace him? you know, with, with a guy who's kind of a similar style of player to him and, and put to, who will put up big numbers in Yankee stadium, or is it a case where the Yankees feel like he's a super talented player? So I think there's a lot of reason to believe that DJ LeMahieu, while he was very good in Colorado, um, his skill set translates so well to Yankee stadium that, you know, maybe he's a little bit overvalued based off of his, just his numbers, um, uh, his offensive numbers, at least, um, to where you know you might be overpaying a pretty good bit for him, where you could get someone else that could put up a pretty similar type of uh, production to what DJ LeMahieu put up, or or you could address another need with that money as well. So we'll see. Um, I, I do think LeMahieu returns to the Yankees. I think he's a very good contact hitter, and I think a lot of teams would like to have him. Um, so if he does go elsewhere, then there's a lot of teams I think will be very interested. So definitely a lot of teams. You've already heard some. Um, you know, there's rumors that maybe the Dodgers, if Justin Turner doesn't resign, that they can look at him for a third base option um, as well. So, you know, teams are, or, or agents maybe are, are pushing that out there pretty soon. So once to get that market developing. But uh, I think that's all the moves we've had happen this week. Um, so we can jump over to our NL East division breakdown now. Um, you know, leading this division making it to you know the uh, championship series is the Atlanta Braves they went 35 and 25 this year um, and I'll really let you hit on this Matt because you're a, you're a guy who watches this team day in and day out yeah um, the Atlanta Braves uh, had a good year um, they they did lose some guys Adam Duvall Tyler Flowers Shane Green Nick Markakis Mark Melanson and Darren O'Day are all uh, you know they were good role players uh, you know, a couple of solid bullpen pieces who did well. Um, Adam Duvall turned, ended up being mostly an everyday player. Um, uh, you got Tyler Flowers. It's kind of, he's, he was more of the backup catcher. Uh, 
But there is reason to believe the Braves might bring Tyler Flowers back on a one-year deal. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, uh, but the big loss here for the Braves is Marcelo Zuna, who put up a gigantic season, won the Silver Slugger, and was pretty high up on, I think he finished sixth in MVP voting. So he was fairly high up in MVP voting. He was that good. And I believe he led the NL in home runs as well. So um, that's a big loss. And I think that kind of circles what they're going to need. Um, their core is as good as anybody's. Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson. You've got a and Dansby Swanson as well, who's shown signs of turning into a solid, a pretty solid shortstop. Um, there's a lot of guys here who, you know, it's a good balance of pitching and 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 lineup. Um, you know. You've got a couple other guys even there in that lineup that are young and are potential stars. You know, Christian Pache uh, is a guy who played a lot in LCS when when Adam Duvall got injured. That is a a very high-rated prospect that will probably end up being a starter in in center field for the Braves. And you've got um, Austin Riley, who showed some flashes last year of turning the corner a little bit. We'll see what ends up happening. This is going to be year three for him in the big leagues, so... You know, this is kind of a make it or break it year a little bit, but um, they've uh, they've got as good a core as anybody, and um, I think the, the 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 recipe for the Braves to be successful is very similar. They they added they already added a veteran pitcher and Charlie Morton, who's a very good veteran pitcher. They already added a, a bullpen slash maybe a spot starter type, a, a swing guy, and Drew Smiley, who had a really good year last year, a veteran guy. Um, I think the biggest thing the Braves are going to need to look at is that big bat. You know, year before last, it was Josh Donaldson. This past year, it was Marcelo Zuna. I think the formula is the same. you got a really good core. You add a veteran, solid hitter to that core, and somebody like maybe they bring back Marcelo Zuna to play left field. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a uh, Michael Brantley to play left field. You know, maybe they trade for Chris Bryant to play third base. It's one of those deals where I think you're looking at, uh, you know, they just need to add that one bat, that veteran bat, maybe a one-year guy again, um, who to, to to glue it together and add some depth to the lineup and you know go for it again. So I think the rotation is the best equip it has been since the Braves have started this run where they've won three straight division titles. So I think it's I think they're in a good spot right now. Yeah, and, and you know they can just continue to reuse or, or not reuse. They can continue to get that bullpen better. You know they lost quite a bit of pieces this year um, of guys who were, were very uh, you know high leverage guys for them. Guys who played a, a big role. Um, you know they do still have Will Smith, um, Tyler Matzik, um, which are two guys that you know two big lefties for them. But like you said, they they need to find that veteran bat. You know are they going to bring <clears throat> excuse me are they going to bring Marcelo Zuna back? Um, on a bigger contract, or are they going to try and you know go kind of budget shopping, which they did the past couple years, and shoot for maybe a one or two year deal? Um, you know, it, especially if this year, you know, you're not going to have the added sense of a, an LDH this year. It's come out that that's most likely not going to be a thing. Where Marcelo Zuna was your primary DH this year, um, actually won the award for the best DH in the National League. So. You know, you got to find a, you got to make a decision if that's going to be the guy you're going to commit to, and hopefully that the DH comes into the next year, um, or, or what. But definitely an interesting offseason, but a team that's not that far away from. I mean, we saw them push the Dodgers to the absolute limit. We're up what three one, 
um, yeah, in that series. So, and should have won, you know, should have won a couple other games. Yeah, there's a couple other there. games that could have gone either way. That the Braves yeah. had some some bad luck and were very close games so it's definitely a team that this is one of the top i'd say it's one of the top five world series contenders as is and adding another piece you could even consider them you know right up there with the yankees and dodgers for next year absolutely um well next team in this division is a team that surprised us all actually made the wild card beat the chicago cubs um, and that is the miami marlins at 31 and 29 yeah, the Marlins, um, you know, they lost uh, lost some few guys. Brad Boxberger, Matt Joyce, Brandon Kensler, Jose Ureña, who was their longest tenured player, um, as it stood. Um, their core, it, it, their core revolves around their their three big starting pitchers, uh, young guys. All three of them, or, or two of them, being rookies this past year, and then one of them having been established for a couple of years, but having kind of his breakout this past year. Sandy Alcantara. Pablo Lopez, Sixto Sanchez. All three of these guys have a lot of potential, and all three are pretty good starters already. Um, you can add in a few of their our everyday players. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, uh, you know, guy they got in the in the Real Muto trade, the legendary Real Muto trade, um, that has been starting at catcher for them for a while. He's got some talent. I, I, he hadn't really put it all the way together yet, but he does have some talent. Uh, Brian Anderson is a very underrated player, in my opinion. Plays in you know, playing in a few different positions for them. He's played third some. He's played right field some. Um, solid contact hitter. Uh, can hit for some power. A lot of doubles power um, for him. Uh, and, and then they brought in Starling Marte, mid, you know, midseason. And he's a guy who is a very talented player. Um, you know, we can get into on the needs here in a second. Uh, I think the biggest one, though, is just pitching development. I mean, I, I think if you look at the Marlins – you know, keep getting better. Alcantara, keep, you know, keep working with him, keep getting him better. Pablo Lopez, keep getting him better. Sixto Sanchez, you know, keep working with him. Uh, the Marlins have some young guys who are going to be up pretty soon in the lineup as well. You got Monte Harrison, who actually played a pretty good bit this past year as a top, top 100 prospect. Um, JJ Blade is not all that far off. Um, you know, a, a top pick out of Vanderbilt. Um, he's, he's, I think he's very solid. So um, this is a team that, you know, I, I don't really expect them to contend that next year. I think a lot of the reason that they were able to make the playoffs was because of the, obviously the expanded playoffs had something to do with it. But the fact that, you know, it was a shortened season, they had some luck in there. Uh, you know, a couple of the other NL East teams, they were playing a lot, really struggled at times. Um, you know, I think the, I think Miami's, uh, but they're, I think they're in a much better place than they were just a couple of years ago. Oh, most definitely. Um, and like you said, that they've built usually they've built around that young pitching, and that young pitching is starting to come to the majors and have an impact. Um, you know, another guy on the offensive side that is coming up pretty soon is Jesus Sanchez as well, who's another outfielder. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, this team is this team is stacked with with young talent um, all over the field. That you just have to figure out, you know, which ones are going to be the guys who are going to stick in the majors, and which are going to be the guys who kind of falter out because. That's the that's the realistic thing here is that not every one of these guys is going to pan out, but you know you got to figure out who that's going to be and really uh, attack the the ones that don't. You attack that through either free agency or trade. You know, middle infield could be another area where they look to um, you know really upgrade. You I mean you got Miguel Rojas at shortstop, and I don't even know who the second baseman is right now. It His was, name's was, was 
John Birdie played John outfield Birdie. more. I, yeah, he, he was pretty good this past um, year. Um, I saw so, Diaz as well as another yeah, one. He's a young guy. Uh, yeah. But, you, you know, maybe that's a, a thing you do. But I like you said, I don't see this team being a team that's going to make the playoffs this year. But I think they could be a sneaky team and contend for them. Uh, it, you know, especially if they – if you know Alcantara, Lopez, Sixto Sanchez take that next step. You know, if – Brian Anderson keeps doing what he does, and maybe they find a couple pieces. You know, does Lewis Brinson finally figure it out, um, or or do they sign somebody? You know, I've speculated that them maybe signing a shortstop. You know, a guy like Andrelton Simmons would be huge in this place. Um, so, team that team that's on the cusp, I think, of of being a, a very serious contender in the next you know yeah, two to and, three seasons. And one other thing I want to add on the Marlins is I think this is a team who every year their record is going to look a little bit better than their team performs analytically and, and statistically. I think this is a team, I think they're a little bit similar to the Royals of a few years ago back in um, with, you know, with the, the, the team that won the World Series with the Royals. I don't think they're as good as that team, but um, I think this is a team that that, that style doesn't, that of baseball doesn't seem to jump off the page when you look at, you know, different statistics like wins above replacement and WRC plus and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I think it's a way that I think it's one of those statistical breakers you might have. I think this is a team that's going to outperform a lot of the projections for them, um, you know, at, at times because of the style that they play. So, um, you know, good luck to them. I think they're in a pretty good spot for their future, at least. Absolutely. So a team that uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, um, that's going to be one of the most fascinating ones to watch this off season is the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, they were 28 and 32 this year. You know, they've lost a lot of their big pieces. Uh, they've lost JT Realmuto so far, DD Gregorius, Jay Bruce, Jake Arrieta, pretty much anyone out of that bullpen, but I don't know if that's too much of a loss considering how that bullpen really played this past season. Um, you know, but they have they have a solid core. I mean, you do have Bryce Harper, you have Reese Hoskins, you have Andrew McCutcheon, Alec Bohm, who just came up this year. Um, you know, and then you got Aaron Nola, Spencer Howard, and if Zach Wheeler stays around, that those are you know, three solid pieces in your rotation as well. Um, you know, like this team, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Um, are they going to, are they going to go for it this year? Or is Dave Dombrowski going to kind of do that rebuild or retool like he's saying and, you know, kind of step back from free agency so much this year and maybe, you know, line that up for the next couple of years, that big shortstop class is coming next year. Um, you know, and I think the next couple of years for agency is a little bit, better set for this one uh, or set than this free agency class is um you know and then they do have quite a bit of needs yeah the the phil the phillies are a team that they they use free agency to build this team they didn't really build it the way that a lot of teams have been built recently with through the draft through international free agent signings um for for minor leaguer type you know for young guys for prospects um, they've built it through signing Bryce Harper and signing Zach Wheeler and trading for JT Real Muto a couple years ago. And, um, you know, those kinds of moves, uh, really their homegrown talent, uh, Andrew McCutcheon as well, but really the, their homegrown talent has been Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola um, until, you know, obviously in the future you look at maybe like Alec Bohm turns into a, a stud, which he looks like he might end up being a stud. He, he had a really good start. Um, this team, um, they have a lot of question marks that they have those 
they have really really good pieces at the top end. Uh, Bryce Harper's still a really good player. Um, you know, it's not not much more can be said about him. He's he's a you know all star caliber player. Aaron Nola is a pitcher who is an all star caliber pitcher. Um, Zach Wheeler is not quite as good as Aaron Nola, but he's a very solid uh, pitcher. I would consider him a solid number two. Um, they have these pieces that a lot of teams don't have. They have a lot of needs and to go along with it, though, and they don't have, uh, at least from what's been reported, who knows if it's true or not, but from what's been reported and rumored, they don't have a lot of money to, to fill these needs at this point because they're big contracts they have. So you're looking at a team that, you know, Andrew McCutcheon's contract is right now looking like a little bit of an albatross because of injuries. I still think Andrew McCutcheon can be a useful player and a solid regular in the big leagues, but right now, you know, you don't know, is, is he going to be healthy? You know, he's, he's dealt with injuries since he's been there. Um, you look at, um, you know, some other pieces. I, I just don't, I don't have a ton of belief in Scott Kingery. I, I think he had a really good year a couple of years ago, but it, this year was just atrocious. You know, what are you going to get out of him? Um, Reese Hoskins is a pretty inconsistent player, even though he can go on stretches where he looks like a really, really solid, you know, a, you know, hitter, an all-star caliber hitter, but he goes through stretches sometimes. Um, you know, Alec Bohm, I think, is going to turn into a solid player. But, you know, I, it'll be interesting, you know, Real Muto obviously being gone if, if he if he's gone. Um, they need, they're going to have to, and they're going to have to figure out bullpen because that bullpen cost them this year. They were a pretty solid team this year. That bullpen cost them tons of games. It was, it was prob- possibly one of the worst bullpens I've ever seen. And they had no talent there. They don't have any talent returning there. They're going to have to sign a lot of guys and, and maybe make a couple big trades to, to shore up that, that part of their team because I don't know. I mean, that's – they were bad in the bullpen. Yeah, and one thing that also goes into that bullpen being so bad is that this was the worst defense in the history of Major League Baseball. Not just this season, you know, the worst defense of this season. No, this was the, the worst defense in the history of the MLB. Um, you know, I, I watched this breakdown the other day of they, they were on MLB Network talking about it, and none of their players are very good defensively anyways, but their shifting was the worst that you can ever see. They were either not shifting enough um, or they were shifting too much on a play. So they were never, you know, they should have just went half of what they were doing if they were over shifting or just shifted just a little bit more. They always seem to be, you know, a step away from from the ball on a play happening, or, or you know, they made an errant throw because they weren't in the right position, you know, and they're just trying to hurry it and stuff. So they really need to figure out what that defense is going to look like. Um, you know, they like we said, they have lost Didi Gregorius, who at shortstop he's not a great defender, um, but you know he usually makes up with that for his bat. But the outfield defense is, is has not been great either. Um, you know, Bohm, they've said, has really struggled over there defensively at third. Is that going to be able to stick? Uh, you know, at second, you have Gene Segura, who also is a, you know, an un- a below average defender as well. So it, it, they really need to figure out that defense. That's going to help the starting pitching and the yeah. bullpen a little bit more. But that, that's the worst defense in Major League history is, is a big thing. Yeah, th- this is a team, and, and, and that's a really, really good point. And, and it's a team, if you look at the way they were constructed – 
they did not put a lot of effort into finding guys who are well-rounded players that, that played good defense. You look at Bryce Harper, his last year in, in Washington, you know, not to say I wouldn't assign him because he's a great player, but just defense defense wise, he's ter- he was terrible. And actually I think he's been a little bit better with yeah. the Phillies than he was in, in Washington, but he's still, I mean, a lot of it's tied into his arm. You know, he, he's not a guy who's very good at, you know, going out there and getting it. Um, you well, look a lot, at a lot of what the Harper thing is that they were yeah. playing him in center too. Yeah. And he's not a center fielder. So yeah. that, that's a good point. But, uh, you look at other places though, Reese Hoskins, he really should be a DH wherever he's at, you know, it, it, but obviously the, the NL is going back to not having a DH. So that hurts that a little bit, but he wasn't their DH this past year either. I think, um, I don't even remember who it was this past year, the agent for the most of the time, but Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce, maybe. Um, but he, you know, Reese Hoskins is, he was a disaster when they tried to play him in the outfield year before last. And he's a little bit better at first base, but he's not a great defender. I mean, you look at Alec Bohm, Alec Bohm's a guy who's kind of the same way. He's, he's not, you know, he, his natural position is, you know, or his position coming up has been third base, He's probably going to end up being a first baseman. So they, because I, he's been really bad at third, and I don't know if he has the skills to stick there long term. And I think that's something that's been, you know, a, a question mark for Alec Bohm throughout his prospect status. So this is a team that has a lot of question marks defensively. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. And you got a guy, Scott Kingery, is a guy who's been thrown into center field. He's, he's naturally an infielder. Um, they seem to have ignored that aspect of the game. Other than catcher, where they had JT Realmuto, who is a very good defender, but JT Realmuto is not there anymore. So um, unless they re-sign him, so we'll see what happens here. Um, they got a lot of question marks. They got a lot of, of, of things they need to, to change. They've also got a lot of competition because the next team we're, we're talking about here, the Mets. Um, I'll let you start off on them, but they're um, they're a team that's probably on the rise a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about them a lot already, and, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into them right now. But, you know, not a great season, 26 and 34 this year. Um, you know, they've, they're actually getting a lot of pieces off this roster that was just hoarding money, really. Like, Ioannis Cespedes was a guy whose contract took up a lot of money on that books, and he was often injured for them. Um, didn't play much. Jed Lowry, I, I don't think Jed Lowry's played one uh, regular season game for the New York Mets. Um, during his contract, and he was signed what yeah. two years ago? Yeah, he. Um, I don't. I don't know if he. He might have played a couple games, but I don't know if he played any. Maybe. Um, you know, they Robinson Cano has been suspended, so his contract's off the books this year. But that opens up a hole at second base. Um, you know, they've lost Justin Wilson, who was a solid bullpen piece, but they still have a, a good bullpen. Um, you know, Michael Walker, Rick Porcello, those are two big start or not two big starters, but two starters that ate innings for them last year. Um, you know, Wilson Ramos, who was their catcher, but we just talked that they got uh, James McCann. This still is a team that has a really solid core, though. Jacob DeGrom, um, you know, whatever you're going to get from Noah Syndergaard, who knows when he's coming back from his Tommy John. Uh, Michael Conforto, Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, those are three really good pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you can throw Marcus Stroman in here. I don't know how much of a core piece he is because he's only signed to the one year. For this year, but, I would consider him for sure, yeah. But for this year, he's absolutely a core piece. And, and he's a guy who you know dealt with injury this past season and then opted out. Um, so you know, if you look at their needs, one would have been catcher. They've already handled that. Um, center fielder is a need that they've struggled with for years. Um, so this just screams George Springer. Like, get George Springer here. 
you know, he might be not be a center fielder for much longer, but he can play center field for you the next couple of years and be just fine at it. Um, you know, you can get another starter, you know, maybe for some some extra depth. I mean, you still do have Steven Matz and Seth Lugo who can use there, although we both think that Lugo is better in the bullpen than as a starter. Um, you know, and then you have to figure out what you're going to do with that infield. Like I said, there's a hole at second base now. Um, do you slot Jeff McNeil in over there? Uh, you know, we know Pete Alonso is going to be the first baseman. Uh, is Ahmed Rosario going to be your shortstop? Is J.D. Davis going to be your starting third baseman? You know, you still have, uh, I think, it's Luis Guillemore. Guillermo is, yeah. is, is an option there. Dom Smith. Andres, Andres Jimenez. Andres Jimenez, that is another one I forgot. Um, you know, Dom Smith is, is a guy who should be playing first base and not outfield. Um, but, you know, is he going to play over Nimmo and Conforto and if you sign a Springer? Um, so you, you have to figure out what you're going to do with all of these pieces. Uh, you know, definitely we've, we've talked about this is a team who is, is trying to go for it this year. Um, so maybe they look to kind of pawn one of those guys off maybe. Um, but it's going to be an interesting, interesting offseason for, for the New York Mets. Uh, uh, even more eventful than it already has been. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the Mets. I think they're. If you look at them just from an offense pitching uh, perspective, I think they're going to be very good. Um, you've got your. You, you've got a ton of solid hitters on that team. Um, you know, and guy and some guys that could are potential star hitters. I know. You know, Pete Alonso was star was a was a star hitter in his rookie year. He struggled a little bit more this year. Um, but uh, and the starting pitching health is going to be big for the Mets, and it has been for a long time. You know, Degrom, you know, he's been pretty durable. Does Degrom stay healthy this year? Hopefully, I think there, there's no reason to believe he won't. But um, you know, once you go past him, they haven't been durable at all. I mean, you look at Cindergard, and he's missed a good part of the last couple of years, and. Uh, you know, this last one being Tommy John. So is he going to come back? Is he going to come back with the same electric stuff he had before? Because I think he was mostly a stuff pitcher. You know, he's a guy who was throwing 100-mile-an-hour sinkers as a starter and had a hammer curveball and a 95-mile-an-hour slider. Um, this is a guy who was in the running for future best pitcher in baseball uh, when he was fully healthy, but it, he might he might not be the same guy now. Um, you know, Marcus Stroman, what's he going to give you? Is he going to be healthy all year? Um, is he fully bought in? Um, you know, plus behind that, I mean, you've got a couple guys like David Peterson and, um, you know, maybe a Seth Lugo ends up in the rotation. Like you talked about what, what is he going to be? Um, so the, the rotation health is a big deal. They don't have a lot of depth there either. So if you do have a guy go down, you're kind of in trouble behind them. So, um, you know, as we talked about, maybe you do sign a, a sign a starting pitcher. Um, you know, I would probably go more on the veteran side and use your money elsewhere for them. But uh, maybe they look, maybe they're a team that wants to be a player for Trevor Bauer. We'll see. Um, outfield, they, they probably could use an outfielder. I, I know Springer has been rumored there a lot. Um, I don't know if Springer's a perfect fit. This is a team in, in the infield, like you say. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. This is a team that. I think is a little bit similar to Philly. I think they got more pieces than Philly does. So I think they're in a much better spot, but, but it's a little bit similar to Philly with that defense. I'm worried about that defense. You got a lot of players that are kind of a, 
just thrown into different positions that they're not very good at playing. You've got Pete Alonso, who's not a very good first baseman as a, as, a, as a defensive player. He's a good hitter. Don't get me wrong. He's a good player. But as a defensive player, he's not great. J.D. Davis at third base isn't great. Jeff McNeil is got a couple places he can be kind of average at, but he's not a great second baseman. He's not a great left fielder. He's not a great right fielder. He's not a great third baseman. Um, you know, they're good at short with uh, Rosario if, if he's, the, you know, the guy that's going to be there. Um, you look in but, – but the alpha, I mean, a, you know, you're going to want to get Dom Smith's bat to line up. He's not a good defender anywhere. I mean, are they going to trade him to, to an American League team? Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, this is a team that, uh, you know, they got a lot of pieces. Conforto's a, a, an average defender. Um, you know, this is a team that's got a lot of good pieces, and on paper they're going to look great. Are they going to put it all together? I think that's the question for the Mets. Is their bullpen going to be consistent too? You know, this past year, their bullpen was so inconsistent. They were awful at the start of the year. They got better. Some of their guys who are really, really good, talented relievers like like uh, Edwin Diaz, were, they, they, they struggle at the wrong times. They gave up they blue saves, even though they were good pitchers and had great numbers for the year. They, they struggled at the wrong times. The Mets need to put it together. And, um, you know, I think they're going to take steps in the right direction with the new regime there. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to overtake the Braves. But I think the Mets are definitely the second best team in this division. And I, I would put, I would say that them and the Braves will both be in the playoffs this year. I think the Mets would probably be the – I think if I had to pick, I'd say the Braves would be the, the champion of the East and the Mets would be the wild card team. But that could change very quickly with the rumors, the rumored players the Mets are looking at. Yeah, I mean, this is, like you said, it's a very, very good team. They're a team that can absolutely be a threat this season if they make the right moves, um, you know, especially with the backing of, of Steve Cohen now. But talking about a team that, you know, fell from grace pretty fast. <laughs> is the, the, you know, 2019 World Series champions and 2020 worst team in the division. Uh, and that's the Washington Nationals at 26 and 34. Um, you know, they – Losing some key pieces this year as Drupal Cabrera was a starter for them. Sean Doolittle has been, you know, an anchor in that bullpen for a while. We've already talked about Adam Eaton, what his loss means to them. You know, Howie Kendrick was a big player in that 2019 uh, postseason run and uh, and World Series. Anibal Sanchez was an innings eater starter for them. Kurt Suzuki, who's a, you know, their starting catcher. Ryan Zimmerman, who's been a pillar for the Washington Nationals team for his entire career. Um you know, and, and obviously they lost Rendon last year, which is part of the reason why they're very far down this list now. But, I, I mean, this, I, I don't want to say that this team is as bad as this because, I mean, they still have the pieces. I mean, you still have Max Scherzer. You still have, you know, Steven Strasburg. You have Patrick Corbin. You have Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Victor Robles. Like, you still have a good, solid core here that's balanced, you know, between your pitching is obviously a little bit more, you know, front-loaded. Um, and that lineup needs a little bit of help, but I, I just have a hard time feeling that they're this bad of a team. Yeah, and and the Nationals, they a lot of these guys that you talk about in their core um, banged up this past year. Steven Strasburg being the the big one, you know. The worrisome thing about that going forward is that that has been a problem for Steven Strasburg in his career. He he's been injured a lot. Uh, he, he hasn't been able to stay healthy for long periods of time. You know, these last couple of years have been the longest stretch that he's been healthy. 2019, 2018, he was really, really good and he was healthy the whole time. But, you know, he, once again, here in 2020, we're back to him, you know, being in and out of the rotation. So, 
you look at that, and um, I mean, Scherzer, he, you know, he's showing signs of aging a little bit. He's had those back issues the last couple of years. He hasn't been quite as good. I still like Scherzer a lot. I think he's still a very good pitcher. But is he the Cy Young level pitcher that he was? I don't think he quite is. I think he's still a really good pitcher. Um, I'd still love to have him on my team. And I think he's a guy who his competitiveness and, you know, I think he's a great clubhouse leader. I think he brings that that team together. Um, But uh, Patrick Corbin took a step back this year. He wasn't quite as good as he had been in the past few years. But the big thing to me is that you've got two really, really, really good pieces in that lineup. You've got Juan Soto and you've got Trey Turner. Trey Turner hasn't been quite as consistently good since he came up as Soto. He's been really solid, but this year was kind of the best year he's had. A little bit of that might have been short seasonated, but he was really, really good regardless. And he's good play. He's been a good player ever since he's been, you know, established in the big leagues. Juan Soto has been a, is you know he's been one of the best hitters in baseball since ever since he came up. You know, he maybe leaves a tiny bit to be desired in the other facets of the game, but the fact that his bat is as good as it is makes up for all that. So he's a very, very good player. And you've got these two great pieces on offense. You've got this these pitchers. The problem is that with the pitchers aging and maybe not being quite as effective, the Nationals are barren outside of these star players. They really don't have much there. You know, you're looking at a team that, you know, this past year was starting Howie Kendrick, they were starting as Drupal Cabrera. These are very, very aged veterans. Now, Howie Kendrick was a hero in their World Series run, but he's not a long-term solution, and obviously he's gone now. But they've been relying on a lot of very, very uh, of, of, of aging guys to be their core in the last few years. And I just don't know. I mean, they, you know, if you get a full healthy seasons from Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin, where they're all effective, you're also giving 40% of your starts to Eric Fade, Austin Voth, you know, maybe Joe Ross if he's healthy. Like, that's not a great, that's not great fallbacks there. I mean, those guys struggled this past year, and of course, Joe Ross didn't pitch. I mean, you know, if there's a reason to believe that you're not going to have Scherzer, Strasburg and Patrick Corbin all healthy with their injury histories slash age. So, you know, you might end up having to rely on three pretty average starting pitchers or below average starting pitchers out there. Your lineup behind Turner and Soto is barren. I mean, there's really not much out there. Robles is a very good defensive player, but bat wise, he's not great. You look at, uh, at least as of right now, now he could end up being really good. But, um, you know, you look at their other positions on the field. I mean, you know, Keyboom has potential to be a good player. But, you know, he hadn't really showed it yet. Um, you know, you, you need a couple. I think you need a couple. I think you need a lot of lineup depth if you're the Nats. And then you also need depth in the pitching. And, and your bullpen hadn't been great. You know, I don't think the Nationals. I think the Nationals need bullpen pieces, too. This is a team that needs a whole lot of stuff um, to be back to a, a contending team i don't expect them to be a contender this year i do expect them to be a pesky team that wins a fair amount of games because of their stars but i don't expect them to be i I would compare their team this year to maybe a little bit of like the angels have been the last few years where you have a couple of really big time star players but you're not really that in it yeah i mean i could see that i mean totally it's hard for me to look back and see that you know this team that has that 
you know, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin are not going to be, you know, maybe that good. But you do make fantastic points. I mean, the depth is very, very, you know, questioned. And the, and the aging veterans part, I mean, look, Kurt Suzuki's been their starting catcher, and so has Jan Gomes. I mean, that, that's that's been their catching duo, and that's also an aging duo. Um, you know, they've held on to Ryan Zimmerman at first base for a long time. So it's starting to come to where they're going to have to, you know, work those young pieces in and, and they don't have many young pieces around that. So, you know, it, I mean, you can't really trade Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg or, or Patrick Corbin even to help with that. Um, no. cause I mean, those would be your more valuable pieces. Um, but this is just a team that's just going to have to stick it out for those, um, until those deals are done or, or you know, until they can compete again. But, you got to look you got to look one one more point there too is you got to look at Max Scherzer this is the final year of his deal so going forward past this year um you don't have Max Scherzer anymore either unless he signs a, another deal with the Nationals um so um you know that I think that the window is closed in in Washington for the time being I think that they have done a good enough job bringing in talent while they were in a World Series contending window and trading away a lot of pieces uh, they've done a good enough job bringing in talent to still be somewhat competitive and, and have potential to, if you hit on a few good players, be a playoff team. But at the same time, I mean, we, we were just talking a few minutes ago about the White Sox. The White Sox had, you know, the, the Nationals had Lucas Giolito. You know, the White, the Washington Nationals had Dane Dunning, who would have been a pitcher that was coming up this year for them. You know, they... They've traded away uh, several bullpen arms. I mean, they traded away. Obviously, there was the the situation with Felipe Vasquez. That's a bullpen arm they traded that ended up being really good until his, um, we'll just call it legal issue. Um, then you had, um, you know, Blake Chinan. Blake Chinan was the was a national, and you know he got traded to the Angel to the Athletics, and he's been a stud reliever outside of one year for them. And in this past year for the Dodgers, he was very good. So this is a team that traded away a lot of pieces. And that's part of the, that's part of the penalty for going all in and going for it. They won the world series. So the nationals, all that's success for them because they won the world series in 2019, but they, they needed to, you know, they, they going for it has a penalty and they're about to face those, those penalties now, I think. Yeah. That, that so, met the harsh reality of yeah. trying to win a world or for going for a, a yeah. world series match, yeah but. but but i mean and it obviously you know like i say that that they had they did a great job doing that because they won that world series if they didn't make those moves they would not have won the world series but they won well, it so and, and it's very hard i mean this definitely has to be mentioned in this conversation that it's very hard for a team to still be successful when you lose two of your franchise's biggest players in free agency like to lose bryce harper and anthony rendon in back-to-back off seasons that hurts and, and oh yeah those, those aren't guys that you're just going to be able to pluck some guy from yeah. free, uh, you know another guy from free agency yeah. every year or or a guy from your yeah. minor league system well, and, and plug into that lineup yeah well that's part um, of the that's part of the penalty that i'm talking about too because you know they signed max scherzer to a giant contract they re-signed uh they signed patrick corbin to a giant contract they signed uh they they re-signed um you know to that big deal so those are penal. The penalty is that now you you know they had a high payroll, but now that payroll is not. You're not going to be able to afford re-signing Bryce Harper. You're not going to be able to afford re-signing Anthony Rendon. 
that's part of that penalty of going for it. You have the window of these players being in arbitration before they hit free agency, where you can either sign a lot of long-term contracts to players and go for it, or you can try to make trades and, and supplement what you have in a way that can af- or extend those players early and, and try to figure it out. So the Nationals won the World Series, so I would consider that core a success. But now it's getting to the point to where, you know, I don't know if, if I'm the Nationals, you look at the list of the NL East. I mean, is there a team in the NL East that you believe that they're better off suited future-wise? I, I mean, you know, this year maybe a couple of them, but in the next couple of years, I mean, you know, are the Nationals going to be better than the Braves? Probably not. The Phillies? Maybe. The Mets? Probably not. Miami? depends on a lot of the young players but Miami's got a lot of young talent so you know the Nats might be relegated to be in the bottom of this division here pretty soon if they don't figure something out so I mean they are the bottom of the division already well this past year this past year was just weird though because the Nationals were a lot better than they finished this past year and you know Miami was not near as good as they finished and Philly was probably a little bit better than they finished the Mets were probably a little bit better than they finished so I mean that you know, it hurts when you're the Nationals. It hurts when you have to play the, in this division and you're playing teams that are good and having to play the AL East, too, which has had three playoff teams and two of those teams being, you know, pretty elite teams. So, um, you know, that that makes your record look a lot worse than it is. If they had a bunch of games against the NL Central or the AL Central or, you know, the, the AL West, then, you know, like they normally would have, then they would have won a lot more games than they did. All these teams would have, except the Braves, because they won a lot of games anyways. But Well, we have rambled on for way too long. Yes, we already, have. So <laughs> this is a very long episode. Sorry, and everyone, it, that we kept it's talking. A, hey, it's but, important. Uh, so there, was a lot of, there were a lot of moves this week. so That's what happens with the winter meetings. But we oh, went yeah. a little long on the division breakdown. We probably shouldn't have spent that much time. But anyways, guys, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Batflip Podcast. Uh, And as always, if you guys have any feedback, just let us know, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Yep, thanks, everybody.